0: Welcome to the cinderella podcast where we watch and review every cinderella adaptation we can get our hands on discussing the same story over and over until we slowly go
1: insane i'm Liv, and i'm talon and today we watched the magic slipper from 1948 which we're gonna call the mighty mouse cinderella
0: mm-hmm. so you've already sort of given it away talon but
1: can you set the scene for us what makes this cinderella different Uh, It's a Mighty Mouse cartoon. I had never watched the Mighty Mouse cartoon until this, so I'm going to go ahead and assume that this is what they're all like.
0: Yeah, uh, you mentioned that you fell down a uh,
1: research hole.
0: Thank you, a research hole. Uh, What did you find in your research hole?
1: Okay, so my research uh, pertained to a later segment, but my surface level research has shown me that Mighty Mouse was created in the 40s as a parody of Superman. And just from like a basic Wikipedia skim, he was supposed to be an insect at first, and then they just kind of decided to go with a mouse instead. Mice were real big in early cartoons. Sure I don't know if were. you know that. They were real big.
0: Um, I totally missed that insect part, so that's interesting. So we open... On a very cute little cottage and a a song that's singing in the background about Cinderella and sort of the story and We get an opening where someone is singing to us about what's happening. And at this point, I said to myself. Oh, no, is the whole thing going to be in song. And the answer is mostly yeah so That's not even the worst part. Oh, no, no, that's not the worst part. I was just, that part threw me and then I was never quite able to regain equilibrium. So what struck me as really weird is that we open on Cinderella and we open on a picture of her house and it's not animated. It's just a picture that's being zoomed in and zoomed out of. And even when we see her for the first time, there's no animation, no one's moving. It's just, a picture, which I thought was a really strange choice.
1: Yeah, it's like one of those things where you can tell that something is painted directly onto the background, mm-hmm. where like not only is it not moving, but you're 100% sure it's not going to move. I thought it was weird that it said Cinderella on the mailbox of the house.
0: It did. It was a cute little cottage, very sort of 1940s, pointy roofs, little gables and stuff. I thought it was adorable. I would absolutely live there.
1: Sure, no, absolutely. My point is that once again, in an animated Cinderella, we don't seem to have a step family of any kind. and Cinderella's home is labeled for us. So you know, that's helpful.
0: him, can you describe the Cinderella for our listeners because I can't?
1: yeah. Cinderella is like a hot girl with mouse ears,
0: <laughs> yeah
1: like they don't do anything to her face to make her look like a mouse not even like a little no she hasn't she has a mouse nose it's a little black
0: like a bunny nose i would i would say that they make her nose rodential
1: okay so she has like mouse ears i guess and then yeah. like a completely human body a mostly human face like her it's not like mickey mouse where like her no. nose sticks out or anything
0: No, she has a faintly mouse-like face, or nose, sorry, faintly mouse-like nose. And her ears are supposed to be mouse ears, but they're set way too far back on her head. They're way too big, and they're way too hairy, so they look like koala ears. They did, yes. So I don't think that she was a mouse. I think she was a koala person.
1: That doesn't make this any less weird, but it also doesn't make it any more weird.
0: Yeah, it's just, I think it makes it more accurately weird
1: we've reached peak weirdness so it's just it is what it is so Cinderella is wearing a dress that's like a little torn up pointy ended dress Flintstones garb as Liv has dubbed it
0: I yeah I have it it down in my (laughs) yep
1: it is approximately the length of a longest shirt
0: I have it down in my notes as sexy Flintstones Halloween costume yeah it yeah it's absolutely a teddy it does, it barely covers her important parts. <laughs> barely.
1: She's also posing seductively with a broom. Like she's not using the broom for anything. Mm-hmm. Oh no. no. Nor is she holding it in a way that would imply she's going to use it for anything. She's just resting on it with one arm so that she can kind of arch her back. And very cocked
0: hips. So what? all of her weight on one leg and the other hip very pushed far out it's a it's a traditional sexy pose and she's just standing there she doesn't she's not animated yet want to be clear she's just painted there yeah so we cut to a different still picture of her (laughs) and the fairy godmother appears and now we actually start to have animation which i was really excited about
1: it is it is very exciting when you're animated cartoon Finally has the animation. Yep. So the fairy godmother
0: is, my only note for her is yellow. She's yellow and she's see-through.
1: She had like a crown. Her magic wand had a star at the end. It happened very, very quickly because what's happening is the song is like, hey, you remember the story of Cinderella? Um, Well, this is it. Her Mm -hmm. fairy godmother heard her and soon she was off to the royal ball. Yeah, that's that's
0: it. it. That's it. That's all we get. So she taps Cinderella on the head and a glowy white dress kind of fades into existence over her rags. I did like the dress.
1: I mean, the dress was fine. It wasn't.
0: It it was not anything special. It was interesting that it physically glowed, but it was a very traditional sort of 1950s prom dress. So it had little puffed sleeves and it had sort of a sweetheart neckline and a, like a peplum bodice, which is you know, and like a v at the bottom of it and then a big poofy skirt it was pretty she also has bloomers that go all the way down to the ground that are super frilly and i she's wearing the bloomers that betty boop wore before they got tiny
1: (laughs) okay so the first thing cinderella does after her transformation is pick up her skirt and kind of look at her legs which is I don't know why, but that's hysterical to me. And that's when you see that she's got these multi-layered frilled bloomers Mm -hmm. and they have so many tears on them. And she's got the little little slippers on already.
0: Yeah. My note here is fairy godmother fades out in all caps. Timestamp, it has been 31 seconds.
1: Yeah, my notes say in all caps, we are moving fast. Okay, wow.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I just, occasionally I felt the need to just mark how much time had actually passed so this is 31 seconds in listeners so we're for
1: those of you paying attention to how this usually goes it is never a good sign when this much of the plot has gone by and there's still a significant part of the film left yeah always a bad sign
0: yeah the song talks a lot about how cindy wants a fella they rhyme cinderella with fella a whole bunch And so then we see her coach, and the coach clearly used to be a pumpkin. It's shaped like a pumpkin, it has pumpkin leaves and stuff. Uh, We don't see the transformation, we just see the carriage. It's a nice carriage. It's got a door with like a pointy roof and it has leaded windows, which is really pretty. I like the sort of individually set window panes. I like that look. Um, There are two coachmen who are human. And Talon, would you like to describe
1: how the coach moves? Oh, boy, would I. Uh, The carriage has four mice attached Uh to it. They have not been transformed. Now, as Liv said, the coachmen are human. They are the same proportional size as Cinderella, who is an anthropomorphic mouse. Uh The mice that are hitched to the carriage are roughly proportionately the size of ponies, and they are not anthropomorphic they're just regular mice. So that is, that's like if I was in a carriage that was drawn by more humans that look like me, but were giant and naked.
0: Okay, so I got the, I got completely different proportions from them. I got that based on how big the carriage is and how big, how much space inside it that she takes up. I got that these mice were like spaniel sized. So this is Basically, if I was riding in a carriage, that was a normal-sized carriage driven by normal people, but being pulled by tiny people, toddlers essentially. Just, I just hitched up four toddlers. It was really weird, and they're they're being actively whipped to drive forward. And it was yes, they are. I mean, one, it was impressive because I don't know if anyone has seen a mouse, but they can't really pull. There's a reason we don't measure stuff in mouse power. Okay, there's a reason. Turn them into horses. Proportionally
1: to the carriage. Proportionally to the carriage. They were about half the size of the carriage.
0: No, no, Each they were mouse. not. They were they barely made it up to the half the, the height wheels. of the carriage. Really? No,
1: they were so small. They loomed so large in my mind.
0: No, they were small. They they barely made it up to the wheel. Okay, well,
1: they weren't mouse-sized.
0: They were not. They were bigger than mouse sized. They were somewhere between a dog and a pony, and honestly, it doesn't really matter. They were too big, it but also to me. But also they were mice, which is problematic. Just there's There are moral implications to that, and I am afraid to delve into those. The song tells us that Cinderella has to leave by midnight. No one tells her that. She ha- does not have that information.
1: The song also tells us that she's sure to find a fella dressed in her pretty gown of white. Yep. Um, apparently a white dress is what it's taken all this time to get a man so if any of you out there are looking
0: yeah it's a white dress go um go throw your favorite dress in some bleach don't do that don't do that it'll eat your clothes so we arrive at the castle and we get to a ball and there are trumpeters they're in renaissance outfits they're wearing little poofy pants and doublets with little poofy sleeves and they have curly trumpets which they blow straight they're also wearing giant yellow rubber gloves for reasons that aren't explained.
1: They also have, uh, all three of them are identical, and they have these black page boy haircuts. Yes. And they also smush their faces completely in order to blow on the trumpets. Like, their faces just disappear.
0: Yes. Uh, they have little pointy boots as well. And what I'm very pleased to report that when they blew on their trumpets, their pants
1: stayed on. And I still appreciate that we shouldn't have to have this as a requirement but we do now we do this is this is
0: boilerplate this is one of those things that you shouldn't have to have in a contract but you do
1: so then there's this big announcement of cinderella which is the first
0: spoken word that's the first spoken word we get in this is an announcer saying cinderella
1: this is weird to me because the entire point of Cinderella is that the prince doesn't know who Cinderella is and also nobody knows who Cinderella is. Mm,
0: that's a pretty key component.
1: So why would you have an announce? Anyway it's fine. I'm fine.
0: That, that part was weird but I just sort of blew on past it and just did not focus on that. So she comes in the room ooze and Oz The other people in the room who by the way are all humans they're not even pretending to be other animals they're literally people. They are not animated at all which we have seen before we've seen before in other animated movies where the background is just not animated but usually it's done in more of a dreamlike quality and this is very clearly not that it's just we didn't animate this this is just not animated
1: well it's not just that the background is painted in a slightly different style than the rest of the animation yeah so not only are they painted like they look very visually different yeah and it's just it's like adding insult to injury like it's, it's very you flat. know they're not gonna move but they don't even look like they belong in the same thing
0: yeah no I I was upset about that so another announcer or possibly the same one we didn't see the announcer announces the prince and announces it in such a large bellow that you find out that he's wearing a crop top and his shirt just comes up and reveals his belly, which I was also mad about. And I think that he was a mouse.
1: I don't know what he was, but when he leaned backwards in order to bellow, you could see the bottom of his face and he had really intense jowls. Yes. And they were kind of like pit bully jowls i don't know if that's a mouse thing necessarily
0: i don't that's not a mouse thing but we've already established that this movie doesn't really know what mice are so well that's true
1: so he yells hail to the prince and like five different sets of curtains open up no what happens first is the looney tunes music starts we've
0: had very sort of slow swing and all of a sudden we just get like do 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 it's just it's crazy out of nowhere we just get this genuinely cartoon music it's bizarre but then yeah we go to a curtain and we get seven or eight different curtains that all
1: oh i counted it was five
0: it was five okay i'm exaggerating i apologize
1: so they come up in different ways there's like horizontal vertical diagonal and then a trapdoor appears and the prince rides up and he's facing the wrong way. Yes. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. I added that noise. They didn't they didn't do that noise.
0: Yeah, they, they don't lean into that comedy beat at all. He just bows a food a few times in the wrong direction and then turns around and sees Cinderella.
1: So the prince is a mouse. And having never seen a Mighty Mouse cartoon before, I was like, ah yes, this is Mighty Mouse. But listeners, no. this was not Mighty Mouse. It was not. And- <laughs> this was just a mouse. A mouse with
0: a very long wiggly mustache, this will be an important plot point later.
1: Here's what he looks like. He's shorter than Cinderella.
0: When we say mouse, he's actually a mouse mouse, not like a a person that has koala ears that's saying they're a mouse. He's not a physical mouse because the mice that drew the carriage were mice like you and I would see. And she's just got koala ears and like a fawn nose.
1: So on the spectrum, where at one end you have a literal mouse and on the other end you just have like a sexy lady with a mouse nose and mouse ears, he's smack dab in the middle. Like he's yes. clearly a mouse and he's clearly anthropomorphized. He's like a cartoon animated mouse. Yes, that's
0: that's a good scale. I'm glad we've pinned down I that.
1: hate that that scale exists. <laughs> Within the same cartoon. Yep. So the prince comes out and turns around and he's facing the correct way now and we get our first real good look at him and he looks kind of drunk. I think his thing is that he's kind of like dumb, but I read him as drunk. Uh he's wearing this like musketeer outfit. I
0: I got a very young vibe from him. Like he was a young prince because his sleeves were not they were longer than his arms. So he had this sort of, you know, boy puts on daddy's business jacket musketeer look to him he has a hat with a big long feather and he has a sword that's relevant later um the
1: sword is way too big the
0: sword is it's comically oversized so i i got an uncomfortable child vibe from him like maybe not a a child but a 14 i thought i thought the
1: joke was that he was small and like kind of scrawny
0: yeah, I mean that is definitely the joke. I don't know if he's just naturally small and scrawny or if he's just a teenager.
1: Either way, so he's got this yellow wig with the low ponytail, and like Liv said, he's got this big mustache, and he's standing with his arms sort of like really like swinging low, and that's yes. partly why his sleeves are going over his hands because there's no tension in his shoulders whatsoever which i see as a drunk he, physical does, mannerism yeah
0: it it does definitely also read as drunk it's it's very wiggly
1: he was very wiggly so he kind of like sees cinderella and he starts marching towards her while his eyes roll around in different directions mm-hmm. and then he sort of realizes that cinderella is there again and his tongue falls out
0: cinderella blows him a kiss at that point and the way that the kiss is blown is that her lipstick physically flies off of her lips and goes and zooms around him like a mosquito for a bit and then lands on his forehead at which point his heart explodes out of his chest on a spring
1: he also tries to follow the path of the kiss mark with his eyes which leads to him being cross-eyed for the entire scene
0: yes so he he races up to cinderella and they promenade onto the floor. The song begins again. The what are we what can we call this song? Is this the exposition song? Is this it's the narrator song?
1: It's the exposition song because this, it goes, Yes, in no time at all. The prince spotted Cindy and soon they took off on a Lindy. And my follow-up question to for that is, Liv, was this actually a Lindy Hop? It was
0: fast enough to be a Lindy Hop. It was not animated well enough to tell. It was fast swing which if anybody's ever done fast swing yeah there are definite differences between fast east coast swing fast west coast swing and fast lindy but if you're doing them real fast it's not visually super apparent especially if you're a badly animated mouse film so they could have been doing a lindy
1: okay I'll, I'll, not definitively not a lindy
0: definitely it's definitely not not a lindy
1: So the music changes to this, like, really fun, swingy
0: music. And then we see the band. At that point, this is what happened in our chat. The music starts and I go, oh, I love this. And I hit enter. And that second we cut to the musicians. And Tallinn's next response is, oh, no. (laughs) So the musicians are all Black. They're obscenely racist. Extremely unpleasant.
1: It's a full-on minstrel show caricature.
0: Yep. So yep. this
1: is where I fell into a research hole because this is actually like fascinating to me. The idea of Black people being entertainers and like that trope of how they appear in the cartoon with no speaking parts and just this really gross caricature that has like a really long history in animation. So I started looking up like the intersection of Black people depicted in the animation, I found this book called The Colored Cartoon, Black Presentation in American Animated Short Films, oh, Lord. which goes in depth about the way that, and this is a direct quote, animation owes its existence to African-Americans because it has its roots in vaudeville and minstrel shows. And a lot of cartoon creators relied on racial stereotypes for jokes. And then as time went on, and that was like considered no longer quite as okay, they quote, try to retain their formulas for caricaturing Black people without drawing Black figures. And so from then, we see this pattern of like characters that are coded Black, like the crows in Dumbo.
0: Or like uh, King Louis in uh, The Jungle Book.
1: Yeah. So there's also a history of using music from Black composers, but not using Black people as voice actors, not allowing them to be in the same frame as like depictions of white women and of course there's also like this long history of black people not being hired to be animators and the i looked him up he's so interesting frank braxton he was the first black animator and he broke that color barrier in like the mid-1950s so what we're seeing here in this cartoon from 1948 probably was using music from actual black composers and then caricaturizing them not like paying them for speaking roles and not hiring any black people to work on this in any way, shape or form. And that's what I've been doing.
0: (laughs) I was wondering what rabbit hole you fell down. Yeah. Betty Boop is actually based off of a black woman, her design. Yes. And a lot of her music and her dancing styles as well. Yeah. Going into music by uh, black artists and uh, especially like black blues singers from the 20s and 30s is a fascinating dive into sexual liberty where it was illegal (laughs) to be sexual you could be arrested for walking on the street as a woman just as a white woman you if you were out with another woman there were times in our country where no we think you're a prostitute you're going to jail i'm literally buying groceries my dude doesn't matter you're out with another woman and i was sexually attracted to you so you're a whore so for black women which obviously anything that happens to white women happens to black women super much more and worse and earlier and longer so for for black blues singers in the 20s to be just boldly reclaiming their own sexuality with some hilariously sexy songs. It's, it's really beautiful and it's really powerful, especially given the time that it was in. I'm just gonna deep dive into blues music now. I don't want to talk about the rest of this.
1: Well, I actually have a follow-up Betty Boop question. So yeah. I know she has at least one cartoon that features Cap Calloway, but I think maybe more than one. Right? Yeah, there are several. How is Cap Calloway represented in it? Because he sings during it, and like you hear his voice, but do you see a person there? So, this is a difficult question
0: he sings and the cartoons are very obviously and very well mimicking this the way that he danced which was a very unique uh kind of boneless wiggly type of dance that he did that was just it's iconic cab calloway but he is not ever depicted as a black person or like in one of them he's a skeleton so there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a skeleton that is dancing. I and remember doing,
1: the skeleton, There's yeah. a ghost and a
0: skeleton, and then there's one where he, these are walruses. I I have not seen these since I was, you know, too young to understand about racially coded things. I don't recall them being, the Cap Calli ones specifically, I don't recall those being terribly racially coded. I'm sure that they were if I go back and watch them again. But...
1: Well, the These... fact that he was completely erased from it, other than his voice and his music. Yeah, but Cap Calloway. Imply was... that they, like, were yeah. whitewashing it instead.
0: Yeah, he was never depicted. Yeah, he he does sing. It is it is his voice singing. And he's he's credited because Cap Calloway was a big deal. And even white people love Cap Calloway because he was awesome. It's, yeah. Okay, so picking up again.
1: <laughs> so after they dance, uh, the clock chimes and Cinderella starts running and the mouse prince kind of belly flops after her and grabs her foot, which is how he gets the shoe off of her.
0: I love that take. I thought that was really funny because it's kind of hard to run and physically leave a shoe behind, but it's not hard to physically grab a shoe from somebody.
1: It made more sense than literally anything else in this.
0: It did. I really liked it. Um, so she runs off into the forest and her dress turns back into rags.
1: Which makes me wonder, like, why didn't she take the carriage? Because it turns mid-run, but where is... Too know. much logic,
0: sorry. We, we never see the carriage again.
1: So anyway, then a wolf peeks out from behind the tree. And I was so ready for a wolf-free Cinderella. I feel <laughs> like I'm being followed by this stupid wolf
0: <laughs> so being pursued yeah so i i tried to wikipedia the plot of this and uh spoilers wikipediaing the plot of this is really hard because it doesn't appear to be out there i did know that there was a wolf there were a couple of three sentence synopses of this that were like and then the wolf appears and i was like i'm sorry
1: the what I was so mad. I didn't know that would happen. And he goes, he goes, say, that was Cinderella. And he pulls the fur up on his arm. A real a watch. watch. And he goes, that means the prince ought to be along any minute now. Yep. Liv, how does the prince enter the scene?
0: I'm so happy you asked me this, Tallinn. So the prince appears riding a hobby horse.
1: Describe a- what a hobby horse is.
0: A hobby horse is a stick. It's like a broom, but instead of a sweepy part, it has a stuffed horse's head. It's, it's, I only know them as hobby horses. Is there, I don't know if, if there's another word for that. Feel free to correct me, but I know that as a hobby horse and you play with them as children. They're children's toys that you put between your legs and hold onto with your hands and then gallop about and pretend that you're on a horse, which I've done.
1: Sure, and that's what the prince is doing for locomotion currently.
0: He also has a pillow with the shoe on it, which is glowing.
1: The shoe, not the pillow.
0: Yes, the shoe glows. Sorry, the pillow does not glow. (laughs) The prince arrives in this fashion. The wolf leaps out, pulls a gun on him, and says, Stick him up, and my notes say, in all caps, Timestamp, it's been exactly three minutes.
1: We still have half of this cartoon to get through. at this point are you more upset that we're only half
0: done or are you more upset that it's only been three minutes
1: I'm upset that it's only been three minutes and that we have as much as this happened we have that much left
0: yeah so both both both. yeah both is good
1: and then the prince asked the question that I'm thinking which is hey you don't belong in the Cinderella story story." (laughs) yep (laughs) correct and the wolf is like, oh, no, well, I'm taking over from here on. And he takes the mouse prince behind the bushes and comes out wearing his outfit. Interpret that as you will. It, it's implied
0: that they fight due to the amount of stars and firework symbols that appear over the bushes, which now that I've said firework symbols, I'm less confident that it was fisticuffs.
1: So anyway, the mouse is left in his wig. Um, and is wearing a barrel and his mustache is now missing, and the wolf is wearing the mustache and the entire outfit. And then he shoots at the air a whole bunch and at the ground until the prince runs away. Yes. She seems a little over the top to me. Yeah.
0: So the wolf then rides the hobby horse over to Cinderella's house, knocks on her door and says, "Oh, am sorry. Cinderella. No.
1: I'm sorry you just said rides as if he's not running the whole time with this hobby horse just between his legs Uh, do not buy into this
0: lie linguistically i would like to point out that riding a hobby horse is a phrase that means running with a broom between your legs
1: i just don't like the implication that this is assisting him in his mode of travel in any way
0: okay i will i will amend
1: he runs to Cinderella's house, you guys. He With runs a hob- there.
0: Yeah, so he's got a hobby horse between his legs. He runs to Cinderella's house, knocks on the door, and says, oh, Cinderella. And we hear Cinderella
1: speak for the first time. Telling- <laughs> could you tell us about that? I couldn't. What I could tell you is that the wolf kisses the shoe before he knocks, like for oh. good luck.
0: Oh, I missed that altogether.
1: That was a weird moment. I'm
0: real happy I missed you t-
1: that. You tell me about Cinderella.
0: So she looks up when her door is knocked on and says, it must be the prince. Her voice does not match her character at all. Her voice sounds like the youngish grandmother in a 50 sitcom. She's she's a matron. She sounds like the lady who checks out your groceries at the store. She is in no way she's a very slightly built person. She's drawn, very, very slightly built, very tiny, with sort of longish hair. But she's got a voice that's sort of not small and not sexy in any way, shape, or form. And it's, it's weird. So I was really thrown off guard by her voice. I was expecting something in sort of a soprano range.
1: Yeah, it is a little deeper and like a little like. It's older. More... It's an older voice. Yeah, it sounds like a librarian.
0: Voice. Yeah, she sounds like a librarian. Well, not, I'm not a
1: librarian, a, and this sexy... is what I sound like. <laughs> well, a stereotypical non-sexy librarian. I'm doing I didn't a bad find job. it that jarring, which is why I made you talk about it.
0: Oh, uh, it jar It threw me so hard. So, she opens the door. The wolf comes in.
1: His mustache, in this process, falls off his face for a second and kind of starts floating down like a jellyfish, and he catches it midair and sticks it back onto his face.
0: He does. I'm sure that you wrote down all the words. I did not. I did. I did write down
1: all the words.
0: So feel free to interject when I miss the words. But he leads her to a chair and goes to put the shoe on her. And as he puts the shoe on her, her dress, her her pretty white ball gown reappears magically, which that was strange.
1: So here are the things he says in my best attempt to match his accent, which could have been either French, Italian, or Russian. The jury is out. Can you do a Russian accent? I'll do a Russian accent. I can't do accents, so I'll just Um, do it in uh, Russian. I'm going to cut all of my attempts, so you're not (laughs) going to know what they sounded like, but just they were all real bad. I'm going to go ahead and do this with a Russian accent. (laughs) My dear princess, I have come to claim you as my own.
0: That is really close to what it sounded like. It sort of morphed into a French -er accent by the time he was done talking, but that's exactly how it started.
1: He also did like a chef's kiss and went, mm, you are so beautiful.
0: Yeah. And that was in an Italian accent. So it it was all, it was clear that he also did not know what, what accent he was aiming for. So Cinderella kisses him and the mustache gets stuck to her face.
1: Which I actually really liked. I that, that was that pretty was, funny. I thought the, that was cute. I also like that she like leaps on him to kiss him. Oh yeah.
0: No, she's, uh, she's very forward. I, I liked the uh, equality. <laughs> so she the wolf is doing all sorts of the girl just kissed me animation shenanigans he's and got
1: hearts coming out of his chest he yells he's, yahoo
0: he's bouncing and she realizes the trick at this point now that she has a mustache on her face
1: well he uh, ends up a- by panting a lot and it is very like canine talan are you suggesting that
0: this the fact that he's panting is what clues her into the fact that this giant wolf is not a scrawny, drunk teenage mouse?
1: Listen, if one little mustache on the front of his face could cover that up for her, I'm not basing anything on visual cues anymore. Do we think that she's blind? I mean, she could be blind. She could be.
0: There's We get no indication that she's not blind. Anyways, so she realizes the trick at this point
1: she takes her mustache up and yells you're a wolf and runs away
0: she states rather calmly you're a wolf and then runs away <laughs> she points at him as she does it she does we then get the traditional wolf chase shenanigan sequence to the music of Decamp Town ladies which i was also not real happy about
1: yeah So So, he goes yahoo, his legs become wheels, and he like drills through the door with his face, then runs into one of those half doors where the top door is still there. So his legs keep going, and his torso stretches out, and he snaps back. Meanwhile, Cinderella grabs the hobby horse. The wolf follows her on another hobby horse, shooting his gun into the air again. Mm -hmm.
0: That is what happens. They then pass the barrel that the wolf stuffed the prince into, and the prince runs to a telephone pole nearby that has a telephone attached to it. One of those old-timey ones where you pull off the earpiece and then talk into the mouthpiece. We visually pan up the telephone pole, and we see that it is connected with wires to a bunch of other telephone poles that are on clouds. So literally, it's the cloud. I loved it.
1: It keeps going up and up into the air with more and more telephone poles on clouds. And at this point, I was like, is he calling God? See, calling the fairy godmother. I forgot what we were watching.
0: No, neither of us have watched a Mighty Mouse cartoon, so there was no indication to us that anybody else was going to be introduced. You know, three quarters of the way through this film,
1: I was still under the impression that the sloppy mouse prince was Mighty Mouse. Yeah, he's
0: not. This is where we meet Mighty Mouse. Tallin, do you want to yeah. take us through this fever dream?
1: Sure, 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 sure. So, Mighty Mouse kind of appears taking the call and he jumps down on skis and he skis down some clouds and then down a rainbow and there's the bit where the rainbow ends and he uses it as a point to jump off during all of this cinderella runs off a cliff again runs because she's sure. not on a horse
0: yeah she physically runs herself off the cliff
1: and nobody does anything about this no for she... a really long time
0: Yeah, yeah So uh, Mighty Mouse lands on the wolf with his skis, which drives the wolf and the hobby horse deep underground.
1: And then the wolf's head pops up, and then the hobby horse's head pops up, and there's like two little pop-pop sounds, and it's kind of great. At this
0: point, we find out that Mighty Mouse can fly, which makes the entire ski scene completely superfluous.
1: Very confusing.
0: Yeah. So the wolf pulls out a sword and starts trying to fight mighty mouse uh and
1: mighty mouse curls up into a ball and just bounces on the sword for a while and then he takes it and pulls it back and flings it in the wolf's face and it hits him a whole bunch Mm
0: -hmm. and then the the boinginess of that somehow we wind up with it gets stuck in the dirt and it boings the wolf back towards mighty mouse who is just standing there with his fist held out. It occurs to me that we have not visually described Mighty Mouse. I I think Uh, we should do that now.
1: He's a superhero mouse. He looks kind of like Chuck E. Cheese, but like in a generic superhero outfit. So he's wearing a
0: full body, bright yellow leotard with red panties and a red kerchief around his neck and a red cape. I have that he looks like if, if Mrs. Trunchbull from Matilda was a young mouse. I mean, if you say so. He's, he's, he's very weirdly proportioned. He's much larger through his chest and shoulders than is physically possible in any way, shape, or form. So he looks kind of almost triangular. He's a very buff mouse. Sure. But
1: not very tall either, actually. No, he's,
0: he's quite short, actually.
1: And, and on the scale of, like, real mouse to Cinderella mouse, he's a little bit more anthropomorphized than the prince, but not by much.
0: Okay, I would agree with that. So we then cut to what I found to be the most upsetting scene.
1: Yes! Uh, After the very racist uh, stand.
0: Yes. I would like to just state moving forward that the racist part is obviously the most upsetting. In terms, so minus that scene, this is the most traumatic scene that happened. I was not prepared for it. There was no way to prepare for it.
1: I wrote in all caps... Meanwhile, Cinderella is holding onto a branch, and her hobby horse is still between her legs. Oh my God, it is neighing in terror.
0: My notes, which I'm going to read verbatim now, is, "We cut to Cinderella, who's holding onto her stick horse and hanging off a branch. The stick horse is neighing and whinnying in terror, and I hate it. So we're we're literally writing the same thing. Because that is the only way to describe what's happening. The The horse is now animated. I had to pause this to write this and I paused it on and it, it froze on a frame that you can clearly see the horse's expression. This and horse I,
1: is in
0: anguish. I don't know what was happening with the person who animated the horse's face that day. But that person must have been going through some serious, serious trauma because it is the most grief-stricken animation I've ever seen. The most and it's, a- not, it's not just one day. It's oh, continuous. No. It's that screaming. horse keeps going. This is a horse screaming in terror. This is a horse that has if this was a live action movie, this horse would have fallen off a cliff and broken its leg and is just shrieking and you have to kill it to put it out of its anguish.
1: But it's this a stick. horse this horse understands the concept of death and yes. mortality. Ooh.
0: So, fortunately, that only goes on for a short
1: period of time. Mighty Mouse and the wolf keep having, like, their slapstick fight, and the wolf's striped shorts are pulled down, or they fall down, and they reveal that he's got polka dot shorts
0: underneath. What happens is Mighty Mouse uppercuts him so hard that he is pushed out of his pants. Oh. That's what happened.
1: Okay, I was just focused on the fact that we're supposed to be like, oh my god, that's his underwear, but it's the same length as his shorts and not any more silly because the shorts were striped and the underwear polka dotted and that's basically the same thing.
0: Yeah, so the gag doesn't really land in that way. Mighty Mouse then uses the pants, which are now around the wolf's ankles, to discus hurl
1: him into a tree. Yeah, and he kind of hits the bottom of the tree, but there's like a hole there, like a hollow, and he goes all the way up inside the tree, and his head pops out the top, and his limbs pop out from the branches, and he's sort of trapped there, and that's like, that's how we finish with the wolf, is that he's encased in a tree prison.
0: Yep. Mighty Mouse then flies down and saves Cinderella, and the blessedly and the blessedly no longer animated stick horse. It's just a stick again now, for which I will be giving thanks to every deity that's ever existed.
1: And then we see these big ringing bells and it keeps going and going and our exposition song begins again and is like bells, something, chimes, whatever, strike up the band, it's gonna be happy. It's Cinderella's wedding day.
0: So Mighty Mouse literally flies her from the last scene in which She ran off a cliff and was hanging on to a stick and another stick for dear life. Yes. In a pretty white dress. He flies her from there to a balcony in the castle. And then we fade back to the ball. And she and the prince are continuing to do their probably a Lindy Hop really
1: fast. Yeah, I wanted to ask, did that look like the same dances before? Because it looked like they reused the animation, which is my personal pet peeve.
0: It absolutely looks like they reused the animation. I was I watched this twice, I'm not willing to watch it again. But <laughs> if they if they did not reuse the animation, then they managed to somehow create something virtually identical.
1: The so, the Mouse Prince somehow has his outfit back,
0: by the way? Well well he's back in the castle. He's a prince. I assume he has multiple outfits.
1: Okay, well it, it's the same outfit as the It box.
0: is. We don't address how he got from naked in a barrel in the middle of the woods to back into a ball in another outfit in the same time that it took mighty mouse to fly cinderella from the cliff to the balcony
1: yeah none of this makes any sense
0: so at this point i assumed that we were done
1: and yeah, i totally. was wrong
0: about that because we have to see mighty mouse one more time and so we seem and at which point i go oh uh, obviously we have to see mighty mouse one more time he has to fly off back to his care bear home but unfortunately, that's not exactly what happens.
1: He's on one of the hobby horses, and he starts flying up into the sky. And then he yells, hi-ho, Cinderella, implying that the horse's name is Cinderella.
0: Yes, it's he absolutely does it in the hi-ho, Silver voice, which the, the horse's name is Silver. So it's unclear what's happening. And, and then we're done.
1: And then we're done.
0: That was six minutes and six seconds, everybody. So, Ooh. um, yeah. Uh,
1: so did you think that she was going to end up with the mouse prince?
0: I, yes, because I read the synopsis.
1: Oh, I assumed that once Mighty Mouse showed up because he was like the main character, theoretically, like it's a Mighty Mouse cartoon. I thought he and Cinderella would get together. No, that's I why they made the prince so like foppish.
0: I, I didn't know why they made the prince so, as we have previously stated, um, undersized and wiggly. But right. uh, I knew she didn't end up with Mighty Mouse because the Mighty Mouse cartoon premise is there's a story and then he kind of rolls in to save the day and then pieces out. So I
1: was not aware of that. I thought it, I was watching a Cinderella cartoon. <laughs> evidently,
0: in later years. The, he be he's more of a character around whom the story itself rotates and has a love interest called like Pearl Poodle or something I didn't read it that closely but
1: based on this I have zero interest in following up on any Mighty Mouse cartoons
0: okay so the deep dive that I went into was other famous stories that have been done by the Mighty Mouse franchise
1: okay what do we got
0: frankenstein
1: uh who does he save the people or the monster
0: i want to be clear that there's not a synopsis in these it's just a brief tagline
1: oh so one should be nice to the monster
0: so frankenstein jekyll and hyde Uh uh-huh love's labor's one wow pandora's box the trojan Horse okay aladdin's lamp swiss family robinson i'm getting to the worst parts krakatoa hmm the johnston flood hmm and the wreck of the hesperus okay so i was gonna have this be a question for the after party but given that mighty mouse has done these stories What other great pieces of literature do you think they should do? Because I've got a whole list.
1: Great expectations. Oh, that would be so good.
0: I've got a whole list. I've got, like, they should do uh, tests of the Dubervilles. Oh, dark. Right? They should do. So I'm, I'm listing stuff like they should do Cousin Bette. They should do Anna Karenina. They should do Antigone. They should do Oedipus. That'd be hilarious. And then I'm looking at my bookshelf, which is entirely populated by horror books. And the first Lovecraft story that I ever read is called The Rats in the Walls. They should do The Rats in the Walls.
1: That's so perfect.
0: Yes. And then I started thinking about rats and the stories where they are specifically one of the really scary characters and what else I came up with was the pit in the pendulum Ooh! and
1: 1984
0: oh <laughs> I think Mighty Mouse should be the villain in 1984 I want this now this this is the rabbit hole that I went
1: down. <laughs> I want a Dracula adaptation in which Mighty Mouse swoops in and saves everyone
0: there is a Dracula adaptation there's actually two there's a duck called Quacula
1: I have to go. We have to move on.
0: And then there's another duck called Ducula. So there's two vampires. It's Ducula and Quacula. I want you to have this information in your head, too. I didn't want
1: that. I didn't want this. Too bad. I'm sober.
0: Too bad. We can fix that. It's almost time for the after party. We're almost there. So this movie, as we have previously mentioned, is blessedly finished now. What were your highs and lows,
1: Talon? I just, I feel really uncomfortable like, joking about the lows in this movie when it has like this really upsetting really just caricature yeah black face
0: okay so let's change the question for this one and let's do highs and awkwards most awkward
1: okay so for me the high was when cinderella uh kissed the wolf and ended up with his mustache (laughs) I thought that was cute. And I like that it wasn't... I like that there was like actual continuity in the animation and that in the next shot, we saw her with the mustache still on and then she had to take it off. I'm such a sucker for like good continuity in animation. So the fact that they remembered that she had a mustache on and then remembered to draw it, um, I thought in terms of craft, that was really good. And in terms of just being funny, that was really good. I found the the phone call like really jarring I don't know why
0: like obviously
1: the yelling the yelling horse was really upsetting but in terms of like derailing the entire cartoon
0: I think it's because we had already just taken a very hard left by introducing a wolf and we just weren't prepared to take another real hard left that quick
1: I guess I found the inclusion of mighty mouse in this mighty mouse cartoon awkward Agreed. Agreed.
0: I thought that was bizarre.
1: What are your highs and lows?
0: Uh, My high is definitely the song that is played during the super upsetting scene. I liked the swing dance song. I love swing dance. So like that song was good and I liked how they animated them doing the Lindy because I love Lindy Hop and that was exciting because normally the Prince and the Cinderella do really slow and sedate dances and so I thought that that Dance was really fun, and if they had just not animated the musicians at all, that would have been so much better than what happened. Awkward moments for me: the the mice. The, oh the, yeah, the range of m- mouse, mousitude, mouseliness mouse very similitude. Yeah, veramousitude, very veramousitude. Okay, yeah, the amount of veramousitude uh, that. Was in this was just very awkward for me. I, I'm fine with anthropomorphizing animals. I do like it to sort of be to the same extent.
1: It was just so inconsistent.
0: Yeah, it. I didn't. I didn't like it. Um, that that was really awkward for me. Obviously, other than the extremely upsetting musician scene, what would you change about this movie? Let's just assume that that scene's not there, so that we can answer this
1: question. Oh, you mean aside from changing the racist history of the United States? Yeah, aside from and changing the way. The racist- and Look, the way it pervades every aspect of life. This is
0: what episode seven. Our podcast cannot change I think eight. We've done less than ten episodes of this. We can't expect our Cinderella podcast to resolve the entire history of racist filmmaking. Yes,
1: I love how that sentence implies that with a certain amount of episodes we could. I I
0: like to dream. I'm hopeful, but yeah, other other than the whole very problematic everything what would you change
1: i would change the fact that the characters are different levels of mousiness um i would just have them all be equally like mice or equally like people or whatever i mean since it's a mighty mouse cartoon everyone should look like mighty mouse in terms of like how anthropomorphic they are which i think the wolf did yeah well, and so the thing is, uh, I
0: I don't know if you've seen, I know this is a modern cartoon. I don't know if you've seen um, the Rescuers or the Rescuers Down Under. Yeah. Yeah. So those are just mice. They're mildly anthropomorphized. I mean, they wear hats and coats and stuff, but they're
1: mm-hmm.
0: they have but mice. But they still face. look like mice. Yeah, they have mice faces and mice paws, and they have whiskers, and they. they're it. That's how you do this is a sexy mouse this is a this is a lovely mouse and this is a love interest mouse i didn't mean to say sexy i'm sorry this is like a she's the love interest mouse i don't know what to tell you she's bianca i love her
1: i'm sorry i just Just, like i'm uncomfortable you're
0: making a real judgy face at me right now i am you are
1: what would you change
0: Uh, honestly i would get rid of mighty mouse i would just remove the whole care bears wannabe Are
1: you saying, are you saying that you wish that this was a straightforward Cinderella cartoon on this, the Cinderella podcast? I
0: would, I would have liked it if this was just a mouse-based Cinderella instead of a mighty mouse-based Cinderella.
1: Yeah, I didn't feel the need for like a superhero to swoop in and beat up an antagonist that was also just randomly added. If you don't have a step family, you got to get a villain somewhere. I'm starting to get weirdly used to the idea of a wolf being like a villain in Cinderella and I feel like this is burrowing into my subconscious to the (laughs) point where in future episodes if we like watch something and there's no wolf I'll be like oh why wasn't there a wolf this time
0: so do you think that in Cinderella adaptations that have an extra villain thrown in do you think that they're just not bold enough to physically put a wolf in as the villain but they know that they have to have another bad guy
1: yes i think all live action adaptations should hire like an animal trainer to bring mm-hmm. a wolf to set and that yeah, so, wolf should be the villain
0: yeah so instead of candy cane in um in a wolf oh it the should have been a real life wolf. wolf yeah and instead of um
1: the a wolf guy- that's gone viral <laughs> it's got rabies no like the wolf went viral for doing something cute or interesting oh my gosh um and now he has to like he has to like sink to the wolf or something yes so talon do you think our listeners should watch this no i if you're interested in the history of animation and the way that that it does shape and has been shaped by racism I think that there's better examples out there. I just yeah. I don't know that this is the one. Yeah. And if you're interested in just good animation, then this isn't that.
0: No. If so, you want, yeah, if you want to watch a movie where there is a wolf bad guy, watch *Swing Shift Cinderella* because that was better animated and had a wolf. So yeah, yeah. I don't think people should watch this.
1: I just I don't think it's interesting enough yeah, to this be is- studied for. Just yeah. historical purposes.
0: Yeah, this is a weird this was a weird combination of very upsetting but also very boring somehow.
1: Liv, what grade are you giving this?
0: Uh, I think I'm gonna give this a D plus.
1: Okay, how come Because
0: it was a Cinderella, so it you know it did have most of the Cinderella beats, including, you know, a shoe and a gown and a transformation and a pumpkin. But losing a lot of points for including a wolf losing a lot of points for whatever that last third of the movie was with the mighty mouse rainbow care bear sequence and uh yeah just racially bad just you did a bad job you get minimal credit for this this is no i give it a d plus because i did like the lindy Hop.
1: I'm just straight up giving it a nap. I like.
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: I don't know how to salvage this. So, yeah. The highs were few and far apart, and the lows were real low. Well, it's almost midnight, so thanks for joining us. If you like this episode, please leave us a rating or a review. We'd love to hear from you, so follow us at CinderPod on Twitter and Instagram, like our Facebook page, or email us at thecinderellapodcast at gmail.com. If you want Bibbity Bobbity bonus episodes, or to hear us discuss this week's Cinderella again, but with more adult beverages and the Ever After Party, please support us at patreon.com slash cinderpod. Our intro music is Bad Ideas by Kevin McLeod. You can find him at incompetech.com. Until next week, we hope you have a happily ever after.